What is up, Slashers and Survivor Girls, and welcome to the Deep Space Frontier. I mean, Creepin' It Real Horror Cast. I'm your host, Meg. I'm Lunchbox. And this week, we have Lunchy's pick. But first, but first, we have a couple things. Okay. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so we drop in your favorite podcatcher every Tuesday. Because that's always nice. It's true. It's very good. Uh, join us on the social medias, Facebook and Instagram, at Creepin' It Real. R-E-E-L as a movie reel. And if you really like us, send us an email. If there's a movie you want us to cover, you can do that at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. We do love taking requests, and we love to chit-chat all day. Well, mainly I like to chit-chat all day about movies and Lunchy's, things like that. Lunchy's the chatty type. I am a chatty catty. I, I always kind of turn all that over to him. He's yeah. friendlier than me. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a pleasant. I am a delight. I get bored fast. Yeah, you do. You're like, I ain't got time for this. I was like, oh, we're, we're still talking, huh? <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Time. To, oh, okay, we're still talking. <laughs> but yeah, so this week, Lunchbox got to pick. What did you pick and why? Um, I went with our first real sci-fi horror movie. I went with The Event Horizon, and I can't be more excited. Like, I absolutely... I'm going to just throw it out there, guys. I love this damn movie. So there we go. All right. All right, guys. Uh, so we're going to sign off now. And it's just like. Uh, <laughs> Glad right. we got that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, to, so to bury the lead, Craig loves it. Yeah. It's, we, it's, I, I, think... I, I love it just because I, I picked it because I love it so much. And I know. But I was actually more surprised that you have never seen it. After watching it this last time, um, I actually was like, I think I saw bits and pieces on like when TBS or something would run it on like a weekend or something, but uh, no man, I've never sat you are, down. You are, you are wrong. Okay, okay. You, have, you if okay. you've seen bits and pieces of it, you have not seen this movie. Well, yeah, you may need to see that's, this movie. That's why I said I haven't seen this movie. I was pretty honest about it. But after okay. rewatching it, I was like, I, I remember seeing some parts. However, the reason, the biggest reason why I've never seen this movie, like sat down and went, I'm going to watch Event Horizon today. Is because I am really not a fan of hard sci-fi. Yeah. Not, I'm not, if there's aliens in it, generally, unless it's like Paul, I'm like, eh, I'm out. <laughs> um, well, that's just because it's got our favorite Brits in it. And yeah. Seth Rogen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Sigourney Weaver. Right. Uh, I mean, maybe we could just talk about Paul instead. Oh, can we, yeah, we, oh, can we do a Paul episode? That'd be amazing. I mean, it's not horror. Not no, even but that'd be amazing. Um, I tend to... I don't mind sci-fi so much. Um, I like... I'm okay with, like, sci-fi light. Like, I really like Doctor Who and those sorts of things. Um, but I'm not gonna sit down and watch... I, I mean, I'm not gonna watch any... Um, Elron Hubbard stuff. What was it? Battlefield Earth. I'm not. I was never drawn to watch Event Horizon or Sunshine or Deep Impact or really See, any of those spacey type ones because that's not really my bag. But that's the thing is like, for you being like a big Doctor Who fan, being very timey wimey and very sci fi and it dealing with you know alien stories and then on top of that, uh, you know going like with the Doctor Who stuff going into. Uh, you know, just all their different stories with, like, yeah. you know, the past and present, things like that. That That's, like, as sci-fi as you get. And that's not... Doctor Who's not... I mean, you can argue that there's sci-fi elements to it, but at the end of the day, it's basically... Especially if you're talking classic Who, it's essentially political commentary with aliens. Like, you're not watching a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Or a and, sci-fi show. And a lot of times, like... And that's the thing that, I, like I was saying, that kind of intrigues me, is that 
you do like sci-fi things, but it, it it's funny that you don't care to watch sci-fi like horror movies or action movies and things like that. Um, and I, I was trying to, to figure it out. I mean, I have the same kind of thing with uh, medieval movies. Yeah, you don't do period pieces. I don't like... I don't like them as much, but the thing is, is I will watch them. Right. And, like, uh, for the longest time, Lord of the Rings was one of those movies that I just did not want to watch. Now, I've watched the big-ass bonus box set edition. The 29-hour epic. Yeah, Yeah. I've watched all the documentaries. Like, I, I absolutely love Lord of the Rings, but at the same time, it's it's one of those things that it's... It's not so, like I don't go for you know knights in armor yeah. and you know with like just horses and yeah. swords and, and, and shields unless it's Monty Python then I am all about that game that is my yeah, jam but then, but then that part's secondary like the primary focus is watching talking about coconuts and watching Graham Chapman be ridiculous it's amazing the see I have the different tact on that is I like historicals and I like period movies and those sorts of things like I'm all about those and it's not to say I'm staunchly opposed to a sci-fi movie it's just if you offered me a choice and you're like you can watch a sci-fi movie or you can watch something else 99% of the time I'm gonna go I'm gonna watch something else yeah and see that and that's where I, I'm the opposite where I'm like oh ooh sci-fi movie cool let's watch Tron again let's like that's that's where my bread and butter is because I like a lot of the futuristic mm-hmm. and, and also too it's like with wait till we get to Jason X oh my god I, <laughs> that is the one I'm like I can't wait to rip that thing apart um, <laughs> but there is the the thing with like aliens and like the big monsters and things like that it's really cool because these are all creatures that we have never seen before so i mean that's where it's it's always intriguing where whereas like with a period movie it's like we know like that's the that's the creature like that's the the thing lord of the rings was like one of those movies that like added in creatures that was like oh okay like we've we know what those are, but we've never seen them, and so right. that was a cool. So that's little, what an orc looks like, and that and that's what really in you know it got me with this one. Now with Event Horizon, though, this one ticks a lot of the my sci-fi boxes off because, in a way, it's paying. I don't know if they directly meant to do it as such, but this movie pays a lot of like homage to a lot of my favorite classic sci-fi movies um and like i mean we'll, we'll get into them a little bit later too as as we go through them but that was the one thing was like it it made it it was on its level of for being its own movie but if you really paid attention to it you're like they got it from that they got it from this yeah. they pulled from that they did this and they and it worked beautifully. When you mentioned you wanted to watch Event Horizon, I had to pause for a second because I was like, but it's a sci-fi movie and we're a horror movie podcast. However, there really is a lot of overlap between the two because you have a creature or you have a mad like scientist or you have um, – some sort of explorative thing going on. And so that's why I was kind of like, all right. And then upon watching event horizon, I realized that this is really, it's a bit, um, 
Lovecrafty. It's a bit Edgar Allan Poe because there's that spiral into madness thing. So there's a lot more horror layers there. And there's no alien. Like, that's the thing about yeah. Event Horizon, which we'll probably get into here in a couple of minutes, is that there's no creature. So really, it's you're watching what's going on with the people involved. And that and that's what I loved about this movie was that it, it like they didn't go like a typical route where it's like oh it's a it's a demon that's or, that's come or, you know, uh, come but, up and or to to borrow from Sidney Newman it's a bug eyed alien or you know a stupid robot yeah I mean it's it, none it, of that and that's and that was a cool thing was that there's not too many sci fi movies that will do that they always kind of go for the low-hanging fruit and mm-hmm. i mean and, and and it works it's great like I, uh, sure but it's sometimes it's nice to have yeah. someone buck the formula now like this what this movie is one of those movies that me and my best friend actually um like every year like we made it a tradition like you know like around like the halloween time or at least once a year like we we sit down and, and watch it um, I still try to keep up with that tradition, even though like me, you know, he's got, you know, three kids of his own now. It's like, I got two kids We are like our lives. We've, like, we've got obligations. We, 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 like, I mean, we play call of duty quite a bit. But and it's adult like, things to do. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, we, it's really hard, but it's like, at least if I just sit down and, and watch it, I always think of my buddy Brock. So Aww. this is, it, yeah. The bromance lives. No, but like another thing too, is like with the, that, like another movie, as you mentioned, Sunshine that's another one that like i think that you would actually really like because it's not it deals with a sci-fi like theme but it's not a monster movie it's it's more of a scientific thing and i think you would really you would really yeah. dig it and cillian murphy come on yeah i mean killian murphy's always great <laughs> i really liked him in 28 days later it's amazing um getting on to the nuts and bolts of event horizon it was released on august 15th 1997 for a budget of about 60 million uh however this sucker bombed it made back less than half its budget in its initial release it made 26.6 million um it was written by philip eisner directed by paul ws anderson who at this point was really only known for having done mortal kombat Yes! It starred uh, Lawrence Fishburne as Captain Miller, Sam Neill as Dr. Weir, Kathleen Quinlan as, as Peters or Mama Bear, Jolie Richardson as Stark, Richard T. Jones as Cooper, Jack Noseworthy as Justin or Baby Bear, Jason Isaacs as DJ, and Sean Pertwee as Smith. So there's your Doctor Who callback. Um, this thing did very poorly. It only received a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 61% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. This thing is uh, not very well loved. Um, there, a lot of the, a lot of the problems I see with it aren't necessarily anything wrong with the script. It's the very crude visuals because we're talking like early stage CGI, and it shows. But I mean, that's. How many movies do we watch where it's like, okay, yeah, oh, that's really oh, bad. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. It's so bad. It's terrible. Like, okay, when we watched uh, Wishmaster, uh, go back and listen to that episode that we did, uh, you know, early on. Wishmaster, it was one of those movies that was like, the story was really cool. It was really awesome. And then, oh my God, is that, that Kane Hodder in a mirror oh. CGI? Like, it's, it's a god awful, but it, yeah. it's not one of those things where it's like, it's going to ruin the movie. They have Unless, to- I'm going to put that in there, it will ruin the movie if you're one of those people who, I say this to, again to kind of call back to Doctor Who, I, I always say that the people who can't get past 
the oh, bad visuals. The neck beards. Yeah. The ones that can't get past the bad Doctor Who don't deserve the good Doctor Who because a lot of what's wrong with Who is mostly in the visuals with Event Horizon and movies of its ilk of that particular time period in the mid to late 90s. It for, for a lot of people, they can't get past what they see on the screen in order to get to the actual story and the acting and what's there in the script because all they're going all they're looking at is like that cgi liquid looks so obvious you know what i mean like it's real obvious some of the um the blue screen grease well at this point i think it's green screen the green screen work is really obvious like there's just the visuals can be a little bit problematic and then um the design of the ship uh it was still that sort of like it was like we're creeping into that time where it was getting into like the future cyber goth sort of look. It's kind of flirting with that idea, um, the, what the late '90s idea of what the future is going to look like. I'm actually kind of surprised we didn't see any leather pants. <laughs> to be honest. No, and I'll and I'll get into that and as to as to why like one of my nods, uh, you know, where they they kept it very very tailed back um but you know i mean but this one it's like even with this like the like some of the cgi was yeah you could definitely tell like it's of that time that you know things were just really they were trying to to figure it out or or technology was just really trying to, it was, to up its up its game it was in its infancy there was still a lot of experimentation going on it wasn't the simplest thing to do like now we saw last year with the Sonic the Hedgehog stuff, like somebody completely redid a short, like minute scene in their computer where they completely wiped out and rebuilt a Sonic. Fan. A fan like, did that. They yeah. took a, it took them one or a minute or a minute and a half okay. of the movie and if, fixed it. If somebody, if you guys have not followed any of that complete nonsense, when Sonic the Hedgehog was first released, it looked like the hot garbage yeah. like like sonic, sonic looked, looked weird terrible absolutely terrible complete dog shit but some fan was just like here you go like some guy that just sits at home and does it like just he fixed for, the trailer for fun and he was just like this is what it should look right. like and it looked a hundred million times better. So that's that's where we're at right now. We're at yeah. a point where a guy can stay a couple of hours on his home computer and fix a trailer for a $150 million movie, but you rewind 20-odd years, and that's not the case. It's still a very specialized thing. It's still a very um, crude thing. It's still sort of the bugs are still getting worked out. So... Um, Let's, now that we've commented on the terrible CGI, we're going to move past that. And I wanted to talk about actually how great the acting was in this. Well, and that was the thing. is like The CGI is very little to that. And as you said, the acting yeah. really amps it up. So, um, all right. Well, yeah, we talked about the bad CGI because it's a 90s sci-fi movie, so it has to be mentioned. But um, the acting was amazing. You have high caliber actors who are taking the roles very seriously. This is one of those scripts where I think if they had hired the wrong people who took it in the wrong direction, it would have gotten schlocky or campy or it could have it could have been an 
absolute disaster. Like this is one where you had to actually have all of the right pieces at the right time firing on all cylinders or it was going to be bad. There was one line that was given that I was not really a fan of because that, cringy? I no not cringy. I felt like it just gave too much away. Okay. And the way that uh, because it's uh, it's Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Jack. Uh, oh no, not Jack. No, that's uh, Jason Isaac. That's in there. Um, they're talking about the situation, and in this one little moment, they give like the whole thing. Like they 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 figured out, and it's like, and they they give the audience. All of, all everything uh, at once. They and, totally bury the lead. Yeah, yeah, and it's just one of those things where it's like, I kind of wish that maybe they would have just tiptoed around it a little bit more to kind of give a little bit of. It was fairly early in the movie, right? It was less no, than it, it was it was it was midway through okay. the movie, but it was still one of those things where it's like, oh, well, great, now I know that's what it is, and it just kind of it, it doesn't lead into it because then later on in the movie they uh come across an actual video recording and they see like what is actually on it and they're like holy shit and it, it but so i think if it's like if they would have just held off on that one line they would have it would have sold even harder for that when they the video shot um but like it could have caught the audience more i think yeah you would have got the scare across yeah, a little better but everything else in this like uh, you know it just drives home perfectly i mean but that had nothing to do with the acting that's no. just the writer putting something in the wrong spot that's what i'm saying but even then it's like uh you know just Lawrence fishburne's acting when he's delivering the line it doesn't feel it, it kind of feels a little forced and that it doesn't feel natural for, for everything that he was doing i mean he's going into like total like that morpheus mode where it's just that he just was I mean, he he was the captain of the ship, and he was very, a little bit military. Um, he definitely had, you know, probably a marine or something like that in the past in a past life before he got involved in space travel. And um, but they're all the entire crew of the Lo- the Lewis. I almost said Lois and Clark. <laughs> That's a Superman show. The Lewis and Clark, uh, the ship that they were on to go uh, rescue the Event Horizon. Um, they were all very blue collar, um, which kind of calls back a bit to Alien, where it's just sort of like we're delivery drivers in space. Thank you. So the, this the, is where all my the first reference comes into play. Go whole, ahead and I'll continue. The whole crew um, is very reminiscent of that. It's that truck driver in space, delivery driver in space kind of thing. You and do get me. <laughs> you get it. It's so good. Keep going. You're making my point. Awesome. You're, you're just, you're, you like sci-fi. Yes. You're distracting me. Stop. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm excited. The trains, the thought trains, about to jump the track. I'll get you back on. You're talking about the crew. Go ahead. Oh, I'm oh, proud of you. Okay. Um, Captain Miller was very obviously the man in charge, but um, it was pretty clear that Stark was his second in command, who was Jolie Richardson's character, and um, it was definitely a, a motley crew in every sense of the term. Because you had the captain who was pretty military-like, and then you had Stark who was definitely the woman with something to prove. Um, she was sort of the first mate, second in command, however you want to uh, quant- quantify her or however you want to call her. Um, 
but she was definitely in charge of the navigation. And then you had Peters, who... Her role was a little more ambiguous. She seemed to do a little bit of everything. You had Cooper, who was sort of like the... Uh, she was a med tech. Okay, so she worked with DJ. Yeah, she was a med tech. Because DJ was the doctor. Mm-hmm. He was the, the trauma guy. Sean Pertwee was the pilot. He was the one who was... Uh, Smith was the one driving the whole thing. Um, Justin, uh, Jack Noseworthy's character... He seemed like he was being brought on as sort of a second to the pilot. Like, he looked like he was in some sort of training. Like, he was training he was, to kind of do He was kind of there. like a mechanic or... Uh, um, like, he was there to sort of fill whatever role he need, was needed to... At yeah, but it, he was more of... Uh, like, he did, like, some mechanic work... He also did, uh, like, he was, like, a, a secondary pilot. He would help um, DJ out a little bit. Like, he was kind of a little... And then he was place. also kind of... He was a field guy. Yeah. So, it's like, they, like whenever they had to go out in the field, like, he was he was one of the and one of the dudes. Cooper was also the field guy slash, like, lead mechanic. He was... Cooper that. was the... Uh, he called himself the savior. Like, he was just the... He was the guy that, like, whenever there was trouble, he would go in and... and, yeah. and and, you know, rest. He was the he, he was uh, the problem solver guy. Yeah, he went in there, rescued, and and, and made sure that people were safe. And, and all also the comic like. relief. Oh my god, Cooper's amazing. He was yeah. he's freaking hilarious. Um, but yeah, the the roles outside of, uh, I mean, they were more or less clearly defined. There were a couple that seemed to just sort of take on whatever role was called for at the time. Um, and then you had uh, Samuel's character, Doctor Weir, who. He didn't seem... When we first meet him in the first act of the movie, he doesn't seem like he's going to be the focal point so much. Um, he's He has the flash, the, the weird nightmares about um, his wife or fiance Claire, who was on the Event Horizon, uh, the ship that he'd actually built. And, um, you know, he was in charge of the mission to go retrieve the ship. and But the, the whole crew of the Lewis and Clark were like, Okay, that's nice, but you're going to go sit in the back. Yeah. Well, no, here's here's the thing. So they really were trying to have as little to do with him as possible. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is is that right, so you did mention that it does rem- like reminisce to Alien. Mm. It also references back to Aliens. So it does both all in one. Yeah, and I don't think we're actually on the show, our podcast here, I don't think we're going to do Aliens. I think we can do Alien and then pretty much call it a day because Aliens is like an, it's an action movie. Yeah. It's not really a horror so, movie as much. But Alien, uh, so as you mentioned with the crew being very uh, not futuristic and you know very truck driver-like, mm-hmm. very military, that is alien and aliens like that like they took that format like formula and worked with that like so it uh, kept the same feel um all of the gadgetry and you know all the tech stuff inside the ship uh they were also a little star trekky because they were an explore exploration team as well yeah. so that was the thing was like they are a team that was uh called to go and find the Event Horizon. Uh, the Event Horizon was a ship that was uh, sent out. It was supposed to be like a deep exploration uh, vessel, and it blew up. And then seven years later, they get a transmission 
uh, and it's from the Event Horizon, and so, um, you know, Sam Weir, like, or, well, Sam Neill, Dr. Weir, he is, uh, he's actually the guy that built the ship. Like, he is yeah. the creator. He's the engineer. For of that. the whole thing. Like, I mean, from top to bottom. He, he's a doctor of physics, essentially, like, he's not a, he's not an MD, but he, uh, was the physicist and the engineer in the creation of... The Event Horizon. And what made the Event Horizon so unique was the fact that this ship was timey-wimey. It could fold space-time in order to jump into deep space. It would, it would create a black hole, and then it would jump through the black hole and end up at the other side. Wherever that was. Wherever it was. And so that's the way that they were able to, you know, light speed through. But Apparently they, it was hell. Yeah. Hell! Okay, so, but there's the thing was, like, they went through, and they got this transmission, and so, uh, you know, Captain Miller, like, he's just, like, he's just pissed that he's there. He's like, you guys called us, we were, we just got on leave, why are we here? Mm -hmm. And so he's feeling very inconvenienced. All of them are, nobody wants to be there. No. Um, And so the whole time, like, there's the scene where... Uh, they come out of uh, cryo, and there's a really cool scene with with Doctor uh, you know, Weir. Like he's, you know, ha- having like a really bad trip, uh, and then he like he wakes up and he's like freaking out. And but as like they're like coming to like all like they're all it's the same scene from Aliens when they come out of cryo, and uh, you know they're at you know offering coffee and things like that, and it's just like it's really funny that it's like it's super super similar. But also, too, Weir is the same character of the Whalen corporate guy that goes with them in Aliens. Um, that Paul Reiser character? Yeah, yeah. I, I forget his name. Um, uh, yeah, but he's the one who, he's part of the group that found uh, Ripley and brought her back from her just floating around in space. Yeah, well, no, but, but that was the thing is like, so the, the corporate guy from Whalen Industries, he goes with the team to make sure that the facility is intact. Weir wants to bring back the Event Horizon because it's a big, you know, billion dollar, you know, vessel and it's a very important and it's just well, a, in terms of scientific breakthrough, it's it's a big honking deal. Yeah, and then it, it like so I mean the, like that's a really uh, you know, but like the the similarities is just really really funny. Um and I don't know if they really meant to do that or if they just kind of happened that way. Um, I know that, uh, you know, the director, uh, he was, you know, as you mentioned, the guy that, uh, you know, created Mortal Kombat, or yeah. not created Mortal well, Kombat, he directed Paul Mortal w. Kombat. Paul W.S. Anderson is super, like, he's really famous now. He's done a fuck ton of movies. Yeah. But prior to Event Horizon, he really was only known for having done the first Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. And, uh, the like, the reason that he got Event Horizon was because of Mortal Kombat. I absolutely love. I am a huge fan what a of Mortal Kombat. Range resume note. So to get that good. Job on. Um, but anyways, but like, so he's got like the, a nerdy kind of background, and obviously, I mean, aliens and alien being the way that they are, it, it's it'd be really hard to to go off of that. Now, um, like another thing, as you mentioned, where you know Doctor Weir with the uh, you know the portal, that's a, it, it does create a portal, and it goes to a place that no they have no idea where it went yeah it's a question mark 
Um, and that's the, that's the, the kicker where it's like, I feel like they should have, like they, they were really doing a good job of like, okay, what the hell happened? And then like, then that one scene with Lawrence Fishburne and, and Isaac, where it's just like, oh, we're just going to give it to you. And it's just like, okay. Well, because they show up at first, they're like, holy shit, we found the event horizon because they really thought that Weir was full of shit. And, um... So they go out and they do what they're supposed to do. And they're like, oh my God, it's real. And Miller leads the group in to do basically a a sweep of the ship. And it's like, well, are there any survivors left? And I mean, short answer, no. But they were like, what happened? Like the ship had been missing for seven years. There's nobody left on board except for like the odd corpse or body part. Mm. Um, it, It was something really major. And I made the joke about, oh, it it's the it jumps a portal to hell or something like that but it that's not a, an inaccurate statement they weir even says himself he's like it it might have been a dimensional jump rather than just a mileage jump um which it was an interesting concept to flirt with and then uh something had taken over the ship and it's they said the ship was alive. Yeah, that was the thing. So let let's go ahead and and, and get the uh, the nitty gritty on this one. So the portal is it does oh it does open up a black hole, but it opens up a portal to hell, and the ship. No one it, saw that coming, by the way. That was sort of an accident. The ship was <laughs> gone in hell for about for seven years. Earth years, anyway. Earth years, yeah. yeah. And so. When it came back, the the ship itself embodied that evil. Like it became the yeah. evil. It was a living thing. The the, the evil sig- definitely hit the your signal ride. that they got was from the ship. The ship sent it out. Like that was well, yeah, because there was no one left on board to send. No, it. but that's what I'm saying. Like that's the that's the awesome thing is that the ship brought more victims yeah. to itself it, like that was the going, really cool thing it's like it called, called uber eats and it's just yeah like, well going <laughs> in going in the doorway it was just a hunk of metal floating through space like there it, you had to have people on it it had to be piloted it had to be run by human hands when it goes through the exit door and comes back the ship had become sentient and everything that the crew was doing on that ship it was being registered in one way or the other um to the point where like they had the big um it was basically like the nucleus of the ship which was the power center that was actually what caused the port the black hole portal whatever you want to call it to open um weir's like no you have to you have to like manually line up the magnetic rings holding it together in order to open it up well the ship's doing that on its own and we saw that really early on with justin because he kind of stumbles into the the core room of it and uh, within a couple of minutes of him being there the rings line up and it opens up this sort of liquid it looks like mercury almost like a quicksilver type uh, goo in front of him and he touches it and he gets sucked in and then when he spit back out He's not the same. Like, well, he's on a tether, so they managed to yank him out. But, like, when he comes back out, 
he's not the same as when he went in. He's very damaged, both physically and mentally. Like, he's in, like, a complete state of shock. Um, he's just, like, not there, and you could just tell, like, he... He's possessed whatever, when he comes to. Whatever he said was, like, it, it terrified him to the point where he was basically in, in a in a shocked coma. Like, it was, like, you just yeah. could, you couldn't wake him up. And when he came um, to, it wasn't Justin, it was, he was, there was something else in his body, because he's actually one of the first, he wasn't a casualty, but he was the first one to get really seriously hurt because he was in a, um, he, he was in one of the um, transition rooms to go out into space and he didn't have a suit on yeah. and he locked the well, interior door. Well, yeah. So, but that like, like, oh, to, like, I'm sorry, like just the lead up to it. Cause I like the lead up. Like that's the thing that the, the build well, is really me- cool. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to get into it. So the build for it is that, so he's in that coma like state and they keep like, beautifully just keep you know touching on that where he's just like you know he's not gonna wake up he's not gonna wake up and then all of a sudden boom he's up and then he goes into the cry there the yeah but the thing the is, is he it's not really justin doing it it's whatever is taking control of his body because he's in there he's locked the interior door the uh, pressure's adjusting in the room he's in the exterior door is about to open and he turns and he's looking like ready to go, and then all of a sudden the fog kind of clears from his face, and he's like, "Guys, yeah, you want to let me back in?" Like he starts to panic because he's he wasn't in control when he went in there. So yeah. whether it was the ship or whatever he made contact with through the mercury goo, um, it wasn't him. And it, this was actually the the scene where Justin's getting basically sucked out into space was actually really. Um, it was really emotional and it was really tense because you could see he's very clearly upset. He's got Miller coming through the speaker, basically coaching him on what to do because Miller was outside trying to repair the Lewis and Clark, which had taken some damage and uh, coming up to um, the event horizon. And he's like, all right, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. When the door opens, he's like, exhale all the air from your lungs, shut your eyes. Like, he's coaching him through all of this because he's on his way. Yeah, it's like, you know, ball, like, get into a ball. Yeah. Like, it's... like, just make your, like, as much space, like, take up as little space as you possibly can. Um, whatever you can to help buffer the, the pressure of the vacuum. And you can see as the door is opening up and the pressure is changing, like, you can see the veins start to pop out of his skin. His eyes start to bleed because the pressure on his head and on his eyeballs, and, um, I mean, Miller does catch him, thankfully, like, and Justin does survive, but it's just, um, like, he survives, and then they kind of put him in the, basically, the ER deck of the sh- of the Event Horizon, and I kind of forgot about him for a while until the very end of the movie, when I was like, why are there three people there? Oh, Justin's still alive. Oops, yeah, he's I still forgot. There. I yeah, forgot. I mean, but that, that, that scene was, it's one of my favorites, just because... As you said, yeah, it is very intense, and I love the little thing that they used was for the buildup is the countdown. So it's like after you know, because like Justin gets in and he's in the in, in the room all possessed, and then he hits the button, and all of a sudden like the big siren goes off, and you can see the countdown clock. And Stark and Peters are trying to get him out, and they're and- like, and they're like, oh baby bear, like mama bear, help me, and you're like, oh shit, like that's where that emotional thing because yeah. it's like there's nothing they can do. 
and they, they just have to wait and like that's the terrifying thing but then like with Miller like you can see him he's floating through trying like almost look like he's like swimming towards the area and it's just like you could hear the like you could oh well, you could hear him counting down you know getting ready to to do it and it's just like the it, the build up is is it's such it's very it's simple but it's super effective for yeah, that. Yeah, it really does It's work. really, really good. The, so, like, yeah, the Justin thing was really sad. Um, Jason Isaacs was a big, fat distraction in this movie because I kept looking at him and seeing Lucius Malfoy the whole time. Because <laughs> you're a nerd. Because I am a nerd. I'm a Harry Potter nerd. But also because Jason Isaacs, and this is him in his early 30s, <clears throat> is very attractive. And he's got those ice blue eyes that look like they're just going to, like freeze you over if you look at him and it's just he was just so dreamy (laughs) (laughs) i'll i'll I'll, I'll let you sit here and again being the third doctor is my my favorite of like the classic who doctors um and sean pertwee's in this movie and he is the spit of his dad he looks just like him like i kept imagining him with the bouffant hairdo because even though he had a buzz cut in this movie, <laughs> because his shirt he, and the cape and everything, he looked. He just, needs to be the third doctor. Well, for I mean, the, you, like, you've seen. Well, he kind of was. He, you've seen him, and he did it for Halloween one year, and it floats every year around Halloween time. It floats around on the internet of him. He dressed up like his dad from the show, and then there was the five-ish doctors at the 50th anniversary where Sean was wearing because um, uh, John Pertwee I think died in 1990 or 1991 where his he came wearing like um a t-shirt that had the print of like his dad's cravat and stuff on there um and so he was one of the five-ish doctors for that little short that peter davison had produced and directed for the 50th anniversary yeah, which is really cool um but um i mean he's also one of the the, the cooler things like he's alfred Mm-hmm. Um, and the new Gotham show. So I mean, if you you know, aren't really familiar with Doctor Who or anything like that, and you're you know, but if you're a Batman fan, you're a Batman fan, you know, you got Gotham. I mean, and he's one of those guys like he's always in everything. He's like, oh, it's that guy. But it's like those are like the two like big like yeah. I think um, like claim to fame. Uh, this was very heavily the cast was very heavily British as well because you had uh, Pertwee Isaacs. Uh, Jolie Richardson, um, Sam Neill, who's, uh, well, he's Australian, but um, the only, and I think Lawrence Fishburne, he's American. I don't know if Kathleen Quinlan's American or or Canadian, Um, but there was only a couple of of, uh, American actors. The rest of them were. There was a pretty good mix. Like, I mean, but like, and I I like that where it's, it gives that kind of uh, a good, like, that's what you need for a good sci-fi film is as that diversity a little bit of everybody and, yeah yeah i mean like when you get like movies like you know prometheus and aliens and you know starship troopers and and like all like it's just you always get a big mixed bag and it's it, it that's what really makes it work because yeah. it gives that uh it's not necessarily like oh we're all just americans it's you know it, it adds a little something it's everything to it. yeah hey you want to know what else really works what's that our sponsor. Oh, all right. Let's do the sponsor. Let's put him to work. Yeah. All right, and we are back. I want to talk about Sam Neill. Let's do it. Let's talk about Sam Neill. Jurassic We're, Park? Uh, this, in the Mouth of Madness? Yeah, well, speaking of In the Mouth of Madness. The Omen? This is a very, yeah, this is a very... Um, oh, Event Horizon. 
I know. Yes, we're running back around. <laughs> yeah. This is a very. This is before in the mouth of madness. This is a couple years before that. Um, because that was ninety nine, wasn't it? It was, I believe, ninety nine. Yes. Okay. Th- so this is, I think, pre in the mouth of madness, but it's almost the same character. <laughs> he. Uh no 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 no. It's almost the same character. No, because he did not go well. Fuck that. He didn't like. He was not as blue collar as like he was more like he didn't ask anyone if they've ever read Sutter Kane but <laughs> no, no but like it's a similar character he like was, he was more similar to Dr. Grant in Jurassic Park Dr. Grant wasn't up to something like there wasn't what are you talking about? Like, okay, all right. Now, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you right here. No, because I can't even explain myself. Okay, you okay, let me explain okay. myself. Let me, let me, don't stop me if you don't have all the facts, sir. Don't stop me now. Having such a good time. All right, podcast over. <laughs> okay, go ahead with your Sam Neil explanation you. of, of okay, and I'll explain. You can't. Okay, because there was from the minute you meet him, just like in in the Mouth of Madness, you know something is up with the character. You know that there's something going on, and you know there's something wrong. You don't know what it is just yet, but it's there. And the way he portrayed them was very similar. But he played both characters in a very similar way. In fact, I I, I kept thinking of In the Mouth of Madness a lot because what you're doing is you're watching Dr. Weir's journey into the crazy land. His trip to the crazy which reveals itself at the end of the movie when he rises from the ashes after plucking his own fucking eyeballs out and is like, I'm going to rule all of you. We're all going back to hell and you're on my ship and you'll never leave because the ship will never let you leave. Just like kind of in the mouth of madness where like you can't escape the hell that Sutter Kane created. But it's still very, he played it very similarly. I'm not saying the characters were the same. I'm saying they were played the same. Go ahead. <laughs> Stop making stupid faces. <laughs> God, I wish we were. <laughs> it was a video podcast. Okay, so here's the thing: is that Sam Neil plays Sam Neil. It's Sam Neil. Like, I mean, in, in every movie, like, there's you have. He always kind of plays that kind of character. I don't think I've seen him play something that's that's too too far off the mark maybe different variations of what it is now in the mouth of madness it was probably the most loose and very comfortable that i think i've ever seen sam neil play a character um because it was very much like he was just out to to find the problem with what are we find sutter kane and find all the bullshit and and that's the that's the tone that he took was it, this is all bullshit, but he himself did not have a problem or like he wasn't he didn't become the problem. You just knew that like there was something going on with him that and the situation was going. Sutter Kane was the problem. Same thing with Doctor Grant. Like we knew like the way that he played Doctor Weir was very much like Dr. Grant. It was very like, okay, well, this is why we're going to do this. And, the, like, the, like if you go back and watch Jurassic Park and his explanation of the Velociraptor to the, you know, to the little kid, where, you know, cutting, you know, cutting him across the belly and scaring Baby the shit smell. out of him. Yeah. Like, so, 
as he's explaining that, like, it, it's still that same kind of, like, delivery with Dr. Weir when he's explaining the event Horizon and, like, all the stuff where, uh, like, there's the, the, the really funny scene where he, he goes over and he's, like, he starts to explain, like, okay, this is, this is what's going to happen with the, you know, this is what happened with the event Horizon. And I'll try and say it in layman's terms. And, like, he just goes off on this, like, crazy it's not lame it's like no it's like tanny and they're like they're like layman's turns just fucking speak english man like and he's just like okay fine and like so he goes over and he he takes a post like a a nudie poster off the wall and it's it's uh smith's and he's like hey hey now that's vanessa and he's like he's like don't worry it's whatever and he explains to them that okay well he pokes a hole in it and he talks about the black hole all the explanations are there, and that's that's Doctor Grant. That's not the part I'm talking about. No, I'm talking I'm ta- journey to the crazy. No, but that's the thing is like so the journey the journey to the crazy that is something that he has not done. Granted, that in the mouth of madness he ended up going banana sandwich, but he wasn't the. I'm sorry, I kicked you in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best line oh my god i'm gonna go back and watch it just like so i can watch that part um but yeah but no but the difference is is that instead of him like he be he was still the victim in in the mouth of madness and event horizon he was the uber villain like he became hell incarnate yeah that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying that yeah. the characterization was very similar to what i saw in, in the mouth of madness it, it was kind of the same thing. It, it was like it, it's the, the thing is is that he played it the same way it's a big mashing of everything that he's done like that's the thing is like I, I like that was the point that i wanted to get across was that it's like sam neil is sam neil like you can't get away from sam like from that lawrence fishburne when he goes into a serious movie, it's serious. The only time that you do not see a quote unquote like Lawrence Fishburne character is Cowboy Curtis from Pee Wee's Playhouse because this is like oh, you see Dream Warriors. <laughs> you see it. Even then, like it's still that same kind. Of, like I mean, he was a little bit more like laid back and oh, I'm I'm, I'm the fun guy. And I'm not like a, a super hard at. But like there was times where he's like, oh nope. I'm the bouncer. I'm going to come in there and whip your ass. Predators. Predators is the same thing. Like he still kind of played that. He was cuckoo banana pants. He in was. That movie. He went. He did go cuckoo, but he was still like that. He was still that character. He was still that badass. I'm serious. And then it's like, but he's been there for so long that yeah, he he snapped. It's it's fun, and I and that's the thing is like when they do step into those little tiny, you know, like differences. It's it's fantastic and like Predators with Lawrence Fishburne, awesome because like you're not expecting that, and then you know like where he's talking to himself and that's that's great, um, you know Sam Neill with the you know in the Mouth of Madness, awesome because it's like you're not expecting him to sit there and go sorry I kicked you in the balls or you know fuck that or this is all bull like because he does you don't you don't see him talking that way that much, um, same thing with like you know with Isaacs, where it's like. He felt very much like... <sighs> he felt more like an American with a British accent in this movie. Yeah, and it, it was... It he was, played the role as, like, very American. Like, okay, and you like I've been, I've been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Rosa Diaz. You don't know 
like her backstory like you like you get like little bits here and there but she's still like an enigma you know DJ's the same DJ is is that because you're just like holy shit like the only what character the hell? in this movie you actually get to know deeper than a surface level is Peter's yeah because she's watching home videos about with her son and her husband and she's missing his birthday and you get a little bit more about her than you do anybody else um yeah. which was an interesting choice because peter's was very she didn't survive and she was very secondary to stark and smith and uh dj and and like she she took sort of like the maternal role on the ship which is why uh justin was baby bear he was also the youngest one of the crew but um yeah you got more backstory out of her she wasn't even one of the survivors. It was really a strange choice. It's she did have like that motherly quality to it. Like whereas with you know uh, you know with Stark you know being as the other woman, she's like, the she, career woman. She, I thought that she, they were gonna try and put her into that kind of like Ripley, like like a little bit more of a of a bigger role than what she ended up with. Um, and that was the thing was like. They didn't really give her much to do. Like she was just, she was just always there. That's what I'm saying. Like, I would have given Peters the end where she survived. Like, like swap the roles or put more focus on Stark because in, that way Peter. Well, Peters dying was tragic because it's like, oh no, she has her family. Yeah, and, and you it, got to know her, so it hits a little harder. Yeah, and that's that. That's what all, all horror movies do, where it's like, sure. oh, your your favorite characters always die. But but we don't get anything. On the survivors, the survivors are Cooper, Justin, and Stark, and the only thing we got is that Justin was the baby of the crew, and Cooper really wants to sleep with Stark real bad, and that's about it. <laughs> and Stark says no. <laughs> so, like, that's the extent of the relationships between those three people, and you're not invested in them at all. Like, I'm. They survived fine. I mean, a little bit with Justin because you got to see him essentially be tortured a little bit in the movie but not really the other well, two so much well no i like i'll disagree a little bit on that with cooper cooper was one of the characters that was like you like i i personally wanted to survive and the reason why was because he was the guy that was always out on uh you know doing the uh the, the spacewalks uh, you know, fixing the ship. And there was a scene where uh, the hull gets blown up and he gets thrown out into space. So he's out in the middle of fucking nowhere, like, and the, like the ship just got blown up. And so he has to try and make it back to the event horizon. And he ends up saying, like, he, he, uh, expresses or you know uh just lets go of all of his uh his air yeah he uses air his air pack to propel himself back to the ship and like he it's still in a time of panic like he you know stops he thinks and he you know figures it out and then when he goes back he still gives like the, the great one line where it's just like i'm coming motherfuckers this is like even in a time of crisis where it's like he he 
he doesn't like lose his cool and it's and he still kind of plays that funny and there's like even when he gets back like he comes in um i think it's like miller and stark they're like uh they got you know they have their their guns out and they're they see that they think that it's weir that's coming onto the ship and this is like after weir goes full-blown hellraiser stuff which i'll get into that later um so but they think it's weir and they like they're pointing their guns out and they see like the like the you know, smoke or like not smoke, but the steam's coming out, and he just all of a sudden Cooper comes out. He's like, "Don't shoot me, damn it!" Like, it's just it's so funny, and it it keeps you engaged with him. At the end, it's like because of that, where it's like he is just a survivor. It's like if he didn't survive, like it. it He's the Daryl. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't pull up for his character. Where it's like, okay, he just did all this work for fucking nothing and yes he is the daryl he's amazing the the thing is though this movie is it's very it's a plot movie it's a plot driven movie the whole goal is to move through all the plot points just to get to the end and you it the characters don't quite connect for me i don't think they're Peters aside are super fleshed out. I don't think there's a lot to attach to there. Like you get a little bit about Weir um, in the beginning with the whole Claire thing because he's kind of haunted by her dying on the event horizon, and there's something calling him to come find the ship. Like not including the distress call, like something psychologically calling him back to to try to find this ship. Um, but you know something's wrong with him from the beginning and he's a little he's a little hard to follow sometimes because I can't tell if it's because the ship kind of has him possessed and there will be flashes of Weir who I'm trying to think of the scene because there was the I think it was with Stark was it Stark he attacked somebody and then in the next scene, he was back to being, like, the caring, concerned doctor. And it was really jarring because um, of how quickly he switched gears. And I don't know if it's because he was playing them or if it was because, well, there the, was, there was ship, a scene, because the ship had let him go. So there, there was the one scene where uh, it's Smith is like super pissed off because they're trying to figure out like what the hell is happening uh with justin and uh, and weir just kind of keeps pulling up with like the like all you know like um it's the scientific bullshit uh explanations where it's like he doesn't have he was dancing around answering the questions yeah but it was just like but he's trying to take it like oh it could be this or it's like oh it's just the pressure from the cabin and you know it's like nothing that's like crazy and uh you know smith goes to attack oh, him yeah, yeah calling things that they saw hallucinations yeah and and so like that's like so that's the fight that you're that you're remembering is he goes after them or he goes after smith um and then they back off they get you know smith to kind of calm down a little bit and then all of a sudden he goes back at him again and it's no, just like it was the you uh you jarred my memory it was the um it was the scene where smith is on the lewis and clark and he's trying to get everything squared away and weir had put a bomb 
on the Lewis and Clark to blow it up, and he put it in Smith's locker or cabinet or something like that. And um, Smith hits uh, a button to de- try to de- deactivate it, and he actually turns it on. But it was like it went from that to back to being like the caring doctor there, and it was just it was super weird. I couldn't get a read on him. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but he was really inconsistent and I couldn't tell if he was playing them because that was his plan all along was to get control of the event horizon and just sort of become, you know, hell Lord. Or if it was because he started out fine and then once he got on the ship, he was taken over very that's, quickly. That's what it was. Like, that's what it initially ended up becoming. And like, and because he's not, he's pretty sinister. I don't want to say sinister is kind of a strong word, but he definitely like the second he walked on the screen, I was like, something's up with this guy. No, the the fact that he was getting, he said that there was a signal, that, like that was being transmitted, and but that was the thing was like he was getting calls from the the ship. The ship was calling to him um, in the form of his uh, his wife, you know, or fiance Claire. Um, was it Clara? Claire. Claire. Um, and so he's having like, like flashback dreams of... They're not, they're not flashbacks though. They were more like, more like hallucinations because they were definitely in, set in the present, except for that first one in the beginning. Well, he was like reliving like moments and things like... creating moments. And And that was like, so like... It was really interesting because you they you they they set you up for him to be troubled. They don't go into it like super in depth until a little bit later on, but it was it became a thing where it's like once he got on the ship, it started to fester into him and it's like it it be like it started to like infect his mind. And I think it was like slowly it was manipulating him into doing something. It wasn't yeah, until that makes sense. it wasn't until he because there was the scenes where um, they go into like so right at this is right after uh, Justin comes out of the black hole um, and they're trying to figure everything out. And all of a sudden, uh, like one of the reactors starts to act up and they're like, oh, shit, like we got to we gotta go fix this. And so they go into the like it's basically the the CPU of the the ship, and it's like this this really narrow, super green like like corridor like almost like a uh, like a vent, and so he's in this this vent, and there's a scene where uh, it's like his wife pops up, and and you know scares the shit out of him. And he's uncomfortable with it. He's not okay with it. He's like, I want to get out of here. I need help. Like, this is bad. Like, he like he doesn't know what to, to think of it. And that uh, is a, a great scene just because it's not a thing where it's like, oh, well, the ship's calling me and I have this, like, drive and it's, like, this ulterior motive. It's like he's just there doing the things that he was going to do, it, like, you know, normally – it's just like as the movie progressed on and he stayed on the ship, it started he, it started to take All him. All right, well, if that's yeah. the case, then it definitely affected him a lot more than it affected everybody else. I think he was more open but to it. But I think it. it was because he was the creator of the ship. And the ship somehow, like, knew it. Bonded somehow. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, this is definitely a plot-driven movie. Um, 
in terms of the characters, they're just not... And, you know, I maintain my point that the characters on screen as we see them, there's nothing really to connect to. Yeah. They're pretty uh, wimpy in terms of... Um, having substance they're all kind of one-dimensional there's not a lot going on there yeah and and same thing with like you know when you look at like and again just to compare it to alien same thing like you get a lot of those characters where it's like there's no backstory like you're just seeing them but you're in you're trying to get invested in whatever it is on screen even though it's like okay ripley's our main character and we're following her and you know getting a little bit more out of her but there's other characters on the screen where it's like, why do I even like? I don't know who you are. Yeah, and, and it's, it's it's similar with with this too. Yeah, but I, and that's where I think it's like they kind of took that same formula and just kind of put it to this. Yeah, but I think where they should have. But we didn't have a Ripley character in this. That's no. that's probably where they. That's where the biggest failure is. Is if they were going to try to cut and paste the alien crew from the Nostromo to the Lewis and Clark, they did a really poor job of it because they forgot the key ingredient, which was having that strong central character. Yeah. You could argue to a point that it maybe it was Miller, but um, he wasn't a survivor. I mean, no. he, he sacrificed himself. And actually, I, I kind of felt for Miller a little because he told a story about how he had to leave a crew member behind on um, a failed mission and he burned the, the crew member burned up and he was being haunted by this the entire time he was on the event horizon. Um, and he told the story towards the end and he declared out loud that he was never going to leave a crew member behind again. He was going to do what a captain is supposed to do and essentially go down with the ship and which he does. He follows through on that in the end. So, but it's not enough at that point, and it's not—it's not really a throwaway. But you're—it's so late into the movie when you're getting this information that it's almost like it doesn't matter at that point. Well, no, I mean for like a story, it's just—it's—it's it's just like an added-on, like piece for Miller. It's like for, you are automatically get—it's just for, it's strictly there for foreshadow. Yeah, it's not to help you connect with Miller in any way. Well, I think it. I think it does help because at like throughout the entire movie he's just been uh hard ass and just very like walls are up all over it just, the place. It softens and, him a little. Yeah. But again, it comes so late that it's almost like probably didn't even really need to bother. No, but I mean but then like when it actually when it comes time to because like his the ghost of uh, you know, his the the burned up, you know, crew member is you know haunting him like throughout the ship um you know he like he you know miller even says you know i could smell the smoke and the burn like i can smell the burning flesh and everything and it's like it was real and like he was like it was there um and then like at the end of it same thing where it's like just before he blows up um you know like it's like it it adds because it's like okay now i get why because we see the burning man early and we have no idea why we don't know who that is and so then it's like later it's like we get the explanation and it's like okay now it's like that that story has come full circle and then at the end of it it but for me personally it was again being so late it didn't really endear him to me very much 
No, um, but I do say that when they do give stories like that very early on in the movie, it ruins it because you're like, oh, I already know that that's something that's going to come later on. And, like, so it's going to, like, it kind of, it takes away from it. Same thing with, like, Peter's. We see where she's got the her son who is clearly sick. Like, he is, he's probably not going to make it. Like, it's, it's bad. And, like, that becomes... wheelchair or something. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he, I think he had, like, cancer. Um, I mean, he was, you know, he couldn't move, and she was, like, pushing him around. In the video, she was pushing him around in the wheelchair and things like that. And then that comes to play later on where she sees her son walking around the ship. But it didn't dawn on her that there was something wrong. She starts to follow the apparition, and it's just like... You know he's not there. So, like, either she, either her emotions overrode the rational part of her brain, or the ship had done knocked her loopy. Because it doesn't make sense for her to follow that apparition, because it's not like, it's not like she's the next town over or something on Earth from where she lives. She's in, they're on fucking Neptune. Yeah. And it's like, it first you don't stop for a second and go, hang on a minute. Yeah, and that's where There's I think... There's no way he could be on the ship. I, 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 and I, that's where I think, like, the ship kind of makes you hallucinate and um, kind of takes over you. And so I don't think that maybe she had full control over... Like, I think it was like... That's what I'm saying. It's like, the only way that that makes sense to suspend the disbelief is you have to just believe that the ship knocked her loopy. That's yeah. it. And and so, but that was the thing. Because like, otherwise so, it's really dumb. Because then, like, she's like... It, it kind of felt like, um... To kind of harken back to It Chapter 1 with Georgie. Where it's, you know, you get, you get the, you know... Bill and he's walking around and like or like they go in the sewer and they see Georgie and it's the same kind of thing he's he's chasing Georgie all through the sewer lines and then all of a sudden pops up and that's different though because Bill was still holding belief that Georgie was alive yeah and they were still in Derry yeah so this is different because yeah they're they're she's in a fucking Neptune (laughs) yeah no so she's not not in the same zip code she's not in the same planetary vicinity. She yeah. is way the fuck out at the edge of our solar system, and like, and her child is there. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, it's I'm just gonna come out and say it. That part's really dumb. <laughs> it's it it works because it it's like the ship wanted to take take your wants and your desires and kind of manifest it into something and then killed you over it. And like there was, but the thing that like. I thought was interesting was that the apparition of the child looks like, all right, so Peters is running and she sees her, her, like the, the boy turns around and he, you know, he's like mommy. And then she's like, hi baby. And she like walks forward and like falls straight through this hole in the floor, like some Wile E. Coyote shit. And, and smacks dab and like falls and like just blood everywhere. Oh, yeah. um, like it's it's pretty epic fall. But then the thing is like the apparition of the boy looks over and down at her, and it's like and that's clearly the ship that's happy with itself, checking to make sure she's actually dead. Yeah, it's like oh, I got got her. Yeah, that was but, not not a good scene. But that, <laughs> I don't know, like it's the scene. It's weird because it's like yeah, it's like. It, 
I, I could definitely see like your that your that side of it where it's like okay, well, it's not not the best scene. It doesn't really work, but at the same time, it's like the intensity of because we get that story of of Peters and you know she really like she was taken away from her child to go on this damn trip, and that's all yeah, she wants. I didn't and, I didn't get any intense feelings watching that. I mostly was looking at her going, "You're dumb." I can't believe how dumb you are watching that scene. Like, yeah. I, as a mother, on paper, I should have connected with that. It, but, but the fact that it, it, does it was not work. like she was on Neptune and like in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of like vast reaches of space. It doesn't. And, it's dumb. Yeah. It doesn't work. That was a major fail yeah. in this movie. Um, uh, what was uh, what was one of your other like? Uh, what was a favorite kill in this movie? Um, I don't think I have one. Uh, really? I definitely, I definitely remember at one point asking, where's Stark? Because there's a huge swath of the movie. She's nowhere to be found. Like, you're following around everybody, but you lose track of Stark, seriously, for almost half an hour. And then, yeah. inexplicably, she's knocked out on the bridge. But you don't... She's just gone. And then it's almost like the editor... Or the director was like, ooh, we should probably put her back in the movie. And then they, like, stuffed her back in towards the end. And then somehow she ends up being one of the survivors. Like, she, of the three survivors, she's the one you care about the least. Like, she's one of the ones where I was like, at the beginning of the movie, if you lined up all the characters, they're like, oh, she's going to get it for sure. Yeah. And she doesn't. And I'm like, why? The fuck why? Um... But you didn't have a, a, a favorite kill or... No. No. I mean, I... I kind of, like, when, right before Smith blew up, just seeing that, like, oh shit moment on his face, I was, I kind of was like, I kind of felt the same way. I was like, oh shit, that's a, that's a sucky way to go. But, like, no, I don't really have a favorite kill. I don't really have... I mean, we'll get to the skull rating here in a few minutes, but I don't really have a favorite moment in this movie. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I want to give one of mine then, because... Yeah, go ahead, because I... I'm, I'm ra- Maybe I'll think of something while you're talking, but for right now, I don't... Nothing wow, okay. I'm going to sit here and go, wow, again. All right, so... <laughs> wow. Um, one of my favorite scenes that was... Um, well, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a couple of them just because I I really like this movie. But uh, one of the the cool little scenes is so after Weir has gone total, you know, Hellraiser, and the thing with this movie is like so not only does it take from Alien and Aliens, and I keep saying Hellraiser, is because it does that Hellraiser thing. It has that vibe. I mean, that you know, Hellraiser came. It was like uh, 80, 87. and so it's like it gave that kind of really gothic uh, hell vibe to it a little bit. But it also, I think, the way that Sam Neill's face was cut up kind of lent a bit to Pinhead too. Yep. Because he was, he had this whole like connect the cuts thing going on on his skin. Yeah, it was, there was a lot going on with the Hellraiser and like, you know, the portal to hell. Uh, one of the the best scenes is, so we're, uh, as you mentioned with Smith, um, the, the guys just get done fixing the ship and they're like, we're good to go. Let's get the fuck out of here. And then it turns out that um, Miller is in this giant 
corridor where it, that separates from the uh, event horizon's core with the black hole maker um, to the main ship, and there is a bunch of uh, bombs that that <laughs> set up. I have to laugh at that part because when uh, Miller points out and. You know, Miller asks Weir what the bombs are for, and he Weir explains it. I was like, foreshadow much? See? And that's that's and what I'm saying. And you're like, Megan, you're doing that thing that you do, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but it's so obvious. But that's what I'm saying. It's like if if uh, like you would have gotten like some type of like backstory as to like with uh, you know with Miller, and it's like, oh well, I'm never gonna lose a person again, blah blah blah. It's like, oh well, that shit's gonna come up again because that's exactly what you do. You're like, well, that's gonna happen. Thanks I for know. spelling that out for I know it genius. was gonna, look, man, it was gonna happen at some point in the movie. No, but I it, just hated but that, that is it happened. Very blatant. I know, but I I hated that it was so late in the movie that I didn't really care what happened. I know we already talked about that, but, but also with but the, the explosives. And this yeah. is like. The, 15 or 20 minutes into the movie and I'm just like foreshadow and you're like damn it I was like god like like you're doing the <laughs> shitty thing again so you do funny. but yeah no but like and that is a very blatant thing where it's like okay I mean, clearly, at least you've seen this movie no, it's not but, like it's a brand new movie but, though, but that's what I'm saying is like it is like yeah that is a very blatant thing but then it turns out where you know Miller's walking like he goes in the corridor and he sees the bombs missing and he's like oh shit Weir's taking the, you know, taking the bombs, and, you know, so he, you know, he's putting on the, the Lois and Clark, or Lewis and Clark. Sorry. God damn it, Megan. It was one time. <sighs> I didn't mean it. You do that. I hate it. Um, so, but, the, like, so they put it on the ship, and, the, like, so Smith is like, oh, fuck that, like, and so he goes to, like, try and find the bomb, sees it, and then blows up, but then they go and they find uh, Weir, is in the captain's chair of the the event horizon and he's got his eyes are have been ripped out and he's sewn them up actually that scene the, the scene where he ripped his eyeballs out was actually pretty cool oh my god it's so it so was awesome so icky. Uh, like and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit too but yeah so he's ripped his eyes out he's sewn his eyes back up shut and he's and like like he gives the, the great line of like it's like you know where we're traveling, we don't need to see or something like that. And I was just like, oh, that's like kind of a little bit of a callback to Back to the Future, like where we're going, we don't need roads. And uh, <laughs> but there, like, but that was a cool thing. Was like it was really intense and um, really scary, and it was just one of those like it, it, it pulled up. But then they like so they get rid of uh, they they shoot Weir out of an airlock. And then, like, they think that he's coming back, and, like, it turns out that it's Cooper. But then, all of a sudden, like, I, I believe it's, like, he does come back uh, onto the... Like, he gets on back onto the ship, and DJ is uh, walking around. Like, he's going through uh, one of the corridors and ends up coming... He was collecting all of his stuff to leave. Yes. And so then he ends up, um, like, running into him. And he ends up getting like knifed, and then the next scene is uh, Miller. I believe it's Miller and Stark coming around the corner, and they see DJ hung up in this like reverse. Uh, was it the the reverse like a reverse death eagle? Yeah, thing. I was like, holy shit! His like intestines are all hanging out, and all like. Man, Weir did some work. That, like, that was so cool. But that literally was the only death scene in the movie that was worth anything. 
And I think part of it was because Weir and there was so much tension between DJ and Weir throughout the entire time they knew each other in this movie that it just seemed like a little extra um, above and beyond. But it was so out of place. That death was so out of place in this movie because none of the rest of them, like, if there was a string of gory happenings going on, like, it would have worked better. But it felt like it belonged in a different movie than this one. Um, I don't think so. And the only reason I say that is because one of the other scenes that really uh, amped up this movie for me was the video recording that they find of the crew of the Vent Horizon. So uh, when they get there, they show up and they see that there's like uh, like the black box or whatever. It's a you know that so it's kind of shows all the recordings of the crew, um, and the first video is the captain. He's like. Given the like, oh, this is you know Jenkins, man. He's a he's a butthole, and it's oh like this, and he's like given the it's you know, goofy. Yeah, he's 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 like oh, okay, well we're gonna be back and we'll we'll have a safe trip, and you know he's just kind of signing off, and then it cuts and it's like it's interrupted, and you hear the scream, and then that's it, and you're like, what the fuck? Like why why was it that like what happened? But then later on, they ended up finding the other half of that, and it was like they when they left, and like what was happening was absolutely terrifying. And it's like if you slow down the like the scene of Justin, um, like when he like I guess like when he comes back and he's coming, you know, through uh, he's getting like the big vision of like what actually happened. It's like. People are having just ravenous sex with each other while ripping like each other to shreds. Like they're stabbing and killing each other while having sex, and like it's yeah, just. They were, I mean, it was the ship was basically feeding on the chaos. It was like a chaos demon at that point. Yeah, but even still, I mean, there's people impaled. There was like blood. At the, absolutely everywhere like the captain ripped his eyes out and like the the scene that's really cool is that he's talking in latin and he like uh and that like that's where dj is trying like to decipher what um you know what he said but he's like he's talking in latin and he's just like save yourself from hell and he's like holding his eyes to the camera and i'm like that's fucking epic. Like, that's so I cool. Didn't, I literally, the only thing I saw out of that video was the captain holding his eyeballs out. I did not see anybody having sex. It looked like they were just ripping each other to pieces. I didn't see sex. I didn't see an impaling. I didn't see any of that in the video. Oh, it uh, happened that fast. Yeah, but that, like that's what I'm saying. It's, like, it's, just, it's just like a crazy shaking but camera. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I missed all of that because it was a... It was really fast what was going on in there. And it was just... it was a flurry of just movement on the screen and then it was over. Yeah. That's why the the DJ scene where he's got his he's dangling over his operating table with his intestines on it. Like that's why it feels so out of place because there's no I literally saw no precedent anywhere in this movie for that amount of gore and violence. None. In that video that they were watching, all I saw was the the captain going, oh, look, it's my eyeballs. Like, that's mm. all I got out of that video because yeah. it was just a no, flurry was... of movement. And I could tell there was blood, but that's it. The 
fucking nothing. Like, yeah. It, I mean, and well, and when they get into like one of the, uh, they like so they walk into one of the, uh, I forget which room it is, but they walk in and like uh, the characters don't see like what's what's ha- like you know what room they're in. Um, it's kind of dark, and all of a sudden the lights like flicker on, and you can see that there's just blood and just everything is just like covered all over the walls. But there's and- there's a yeah, but that's a little bit of gore, but it's not. It doesn't. It's not personal because it's been there. And it's caked on the walls, sure. And you can look at that and go, well, there was clearly a massacre here, but there's no connection to it. No, but that's that video. It does, like, I, like I'm going to have to let you watch that scene again and, like, and just kind of, like, go, like, frame by frame with it. But it's it, like but in Stigmata. You missed the line. You missed the one line that basically no, explains and, the whole and movie. I, and and I, I missed that part. Yeah. So the DJ thing feels so out of place. Like, it literally was cut from another movie and spliced but that's, into Event that's Horizon. What I, but that's what I mean. It's like, I, and I kind of wish that there was a little bit more in that gore factor just because it was it was pretty awesome. And I mean, yeah, it's like it's real quick and it's, supposed, it's meant to be very jarring and things like that. But as you said, it's like I, I kind of wish that you saw that. I mean, I've seen this movie many, many times, so I know what is in that that, that little clip. Um, but it's just, there's a lot to that really add into that Hellraiser, uh, you know, kind of esque feel to it where it's just, you know, pain and pleasure and just hell. Um, like that's the thing, like in, in that video, like where the, like you could hear the people like moaning and screaming. But and, that's another part of your, you're bringing know. up Hellraiser. That makes it make even less sense because the whole premise of Hellraiser, especially in the novel, or the novella, because it's very short, is the BDSM and getting no, that sort of thing. But it doesn't, it I'm doesn't not talking make about, sense. I'm not talking about Hellra- Hellraiser, no, I'm talking no, about the Cenobite. No. What I'm saying is, is in the context of Event Horizon, that whole notion doesn't work. It doesn't make sense because of everything else going on in the movie we're on a mission it's it's a rescue mission it's mechanical things it's fixing things it's all of this other blue collar stuff and then you get into you have a very short blinking you miss it clip of debauchery and then you see a man flayed open and it's just and you you say okay it harkens back to hellraiser but everything else surrounding it makes that homage or whatever they were doing make zero sense because of the context around it. It doesn't work. I don't. I don't understand that. Like I'm. I'm not. It's okay. It's taking you. The event horizon takes you through a black hole into a hell dimension. Yes. Comes back out. A hell dimension of chaos. Okay, you're doing the chaos thing. It's not clear what version of hell they're looking at. Are we looking at, like, the Dante Inferno version? Are we looking at some sort of Catholic version of it that sort of borrows from it? It's weird. Are you looking at it from the Cenobite point of view, where it's not really hell per se? Like, it's not super clear what it is. And then with everything going on with the characters around it, it's just... Any any Clive Barker Hellraiser flavoring that might have been put on that 
doesn't work because it doesn't make sense. You have Alien. If you were to smash Alien and Hellraiser together, it would be a fucking mess. Because those two things are diametrically opposed in tone. And that's... But that's what you got out of this movie. And that's where... And and I actually have to disagree with you on that because it did work. They did do that. They did do a... For a, you. A, 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 yeah. But there's a reason why this movie is a 27% Rotten Tomato. This is why the this movie, upon initial release, didn't make its budget back. These are the things and these are the reasons why almost... A little, what was it, a little over half the audience who went and saw this gave it a positive score. There are reasons why it ranks so low, and that's one of them, is because they're mashing things together that do not go together because of the tone. Tonally, they don't work. Um, The actual execution of them doesn't work because it's like, you're going to mash together Aliens and Hellraiser again. Like, the actual ex- executions of those movies, the visions of the directors and the writers are very different. Like, one's a month. They're, I mean, this, technically they're both monster the thing movies. Is like, That's literally I keep, all they have in but common. But I keep, I keep harking back that, you know, like, the, those are the, the movies that, like, it's, you know, like, we keep referencing those movies. The director may have not even had, like, a whole thing on it. This could That's have just been even a- worse if that's the case. Okay, I'm just saying though, but it's like we keep saying that oh, like it, we're putting these two things together. I'm just taking what you've said. I understand. And you're saying that the, these are callbacks, but or... you're but you're making them like it's like oh, like this is why it's a shit movie is because these two things don't go together. When I actually do like, and again, this is my personal opinion. If you have any other feelings about it, let us know. Like, and, and you know, comment. You know, write us whatever. But that's the thing is like. For me, being a sci-fi fan, being a fan of Aliens, being a fan of Hellraiser, being a fan of the supernatural and demonic stuff and all things, you know, spacey and timey-wimey and all that stuff, this movie did work for me because it did something that really not a whole lot of other movies do. And that's where it's like it doesn't go typical alien stuff. It doesn't just do your demon stuff. It actually adds into a whole like like its own thing like that. Sure. And and that's and like and what I meant by the whole thing of like Hellraiser is the ending of the movie when Sam Neill comes back and he's in like you know fully naked and he's got all the cuts and he's just like and he has now become the ship. The ship has brought him back in full-bodied, uh, just uh, a demonic entity, and he's just like, "This is my ship now." It's like you, 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 you are never leaving. It's like you are now its crew, and it's just like very evil. And it's like so going from the Sam Neil or you know the the weird character where it's just the I'm just a, a scientist, I'm a doctor, I created a ship. That's all he's there for. Into this like. Holy shit, I'm a big villain, but like the villain itself is very Cenobite like. And it was just like uh, a, a pinhead, uh, you know, typical kind of character, um, you know, or like, you know, like Barb or Chatters. I mean, he just kind of like, if you threw him in leather, he'd be a fucking Cenobite. Like, that would be the thing. And that's where I, I get that whole, in all the fire and like just 
the you know I'm taking you to hell and it's like it had a very just a hellraiser kind of vibe ending um and then the whole thing with uh, you know it just it, it it just it worked for me in that that sense now for my I'm going to give my skull rating cuz I know yours is going to be completely different based off of that rant that you gave I'm going to give this one a 4 this movie is one of my favorite little like sci-fi horror movies. It plays on everything that I said before where, yes, the characters, you don't really get a whole lot of backstory. And it it does hurt for certain characters like Smith and DJ and, and things like that that are awesome to watch. They are still engaging because of the type of personalities that they give off, but it's not as like I think that they should have reworked like where like with Peters, maybe not have her as the you know someone that you're really invested in and you know maybe thrown into Stark or whatever as we said before, but it's like still it's like once they get on the ship itself, it makes it into a uh, a very a kind of a mystery. Uh, ghost story of sorts where it's like they don't know what the hell is happening i mean miller at one point like he's you know trying to take you know catch his breath and he like puts his head on the ship and gets a flash of the of of hell like of of what he's uh, you know of what the ship wanted him to see and he just kind of has this like oh holy shit moment and he very uncomfortable and and he tries to like collect himself again but like there's a lot of like of of that going on in the story that I am that I'm totally invested with. Um, there's a lot of like the you know the little special effects scenes like the the flaying of of DJ that was really cool and it did work because of that video that I saw or you know from the that the the crew saw and then um, you know all the stuff with uh, Weir and his wife. Where you know she's missing her eyes and she you know uh, continues to like kind of haunt him. Um, I guess like because he was so invested into his work mm-hmm. that she ended up uh, killing you know killing herself in the bathtub and Weir had to relive it in order to kind of get sucked into the ship. It's essentially and then like he you know she ends up having no eyes and then he rips his eyes out. Um, it's that's pretty pretty awesome. Um, I mean, Miller is fantastic. Cooper's great. S- Smith is always funny. Like, I mean, I love Pertwee just like you do. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot, I find that there's a lot good in this movie and yeah, granted it's, you know, a nineties movie. So there is some faults, but I mean, really it's like, I, I, I don't find it to be bad when you mash up like something like hell like that has like a hellraiser vibe and an aliens vibe on top of that because it just doesn't happen too often um i know that some like uh the video game like dead space kind of took a little bit from this like as they did like aliens and things like that um so i mean like that that was actually another cool thing too uh, and then also, too, I love the director in Mortal Kombat, so that was another big bonus, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was my... So I gave it a four on that. Um, well, my rant kind of covered a lot of it. Uh, this one's a two, two out of five. 
for me. And the only reason it got as high as it did is because I appreciated the acting in it. Uh, every single one of the actors is top-notch to begin with. They all took their roles seriously and um, was pretty much the only thing that, could, that held this movie together for me. Uh, Event Horizon is a case of trying to do too much and be too much and failing at none of it, or failing at all of it, rather. Um, it didn't have a very clear vision. Um, you said it, oh, it uh, seems to pay homage to a bunch of different things, but none of them, none of the things it's potentially paying homage to are on the same wavelength. Um, I ranted about how Alien and Hellraiser are diametrically opposed in terms of tone, idea, themes, um, you also mentioned, oh, it kind of does the cute little nod to Back to the Future. Uh, it It's trying too hard to be a sci-fi movie, a possession movie, a demon movie, um, a space exploration movie, a uh, time travel movie. It's trying too hard to be all of these things that it gets very muddled and it gets very messy and it's not very successful at any of it. Um you said it seems it's such an original concept of them to take some of these kind of weird ideas and nobody else is doing it. The idea, you know, where you're comparing some bits to Alien, some bits to Hellraiser, some bits to other things, um, of mashing all of these things together. Yeah, it's not something that anybody else has done because it doesn't work. Just at the end of the day, it doesn't work. And... There's been a lot of times when I see movies like this that have kind of like low critical rankings and I'm like, eh, what do critics know? Because it's a horror movie. Um, but then I see relatively low fan ratings and I'm like, all right, how am I going to feel about this one way or the other? But that doesn't matter as much to me as when I see the the actual numbers of a movie. When this didn't even make back half of its budget, it's kind of a red flag. Um, it just, it just didn't work. Um, I discussed things where they, DJ's death, where it sticks out so bad because it felt like it was taken from something else. Um, there was constant tonal shifts between Cooper's comedy and trying to be serious and then trying to be dark and scary. And it just, it was too much. And it failed. And I think if um, the writer and the studio had tried to keep it a pretty straightforward uh, sci-fi movie, it would have been f far more successful than what it ended up being. Uh, but yeah, if, if the cast had been anybody else, this would have probably fallen flat and been like a one out of five for me. But because the cast and the acting was so strong, it actually helped bring up the rest. And I'm not a super fan of, like, strictly plot-driven movies either. Um, I like to see character growth and changes. And you got a little with Captain Miller. But, and they tried to do, like, the Hitchcock thing with Peters where it's sort of like, this is, they're setting you up with, oh, here's our survivor girl. And then it didn't end up, that wasn't successful either because her death was so dumb. <laughs> but I just, uh, yeah, this one's not for me. Um, I mean, I'm glad you like it. I'll never take that away from you. 
that this is a movie that you love and you and your best friend share that, but um, I've seen it. Okay. Well, I mean, we got a house divided on this one, so, and if you feel like you are on my side where you actually enjoy the movie and feel like it's actually like a good film and, you know, it's it's a great little sci-fi horror classic, you know, give us a little comment on, uh, you know, just email us at, you know, the Creepin' It Real you know, Gmail, and then also, too, on Facebook and Instagram. But then also, if you're on her side and you feel like it's just complete dog shit, then, you know, just give us I a little... I didn't say it was dog shit. I oh, it, it sounded like you're, it. You're, it was dog shit. That's but. you reading between lines that don't <laughs> exist, sir. It's like, well, when you give something a, a two, I think you give Ernest a two. So, I mean, like, that's like... And you didn't like Ernest, uh, Scared Stupid. Go watch, go listen to that episode. That was a fun one. But yeah, you did like you clearly didn't like the movie. So it's like I'm yeah, like that's just something where it's like yeah, we're gonna don't put words in my mouth. I didn't say it was dog shit. I okay, just, there I gave the acting the... was good, but everything else just was not for you. So, but that's the thing is like just yeah, give us you know I, I want to see like what you guys think of. So it's like you know let us know. And like this is the first time, and I like doing these episodes where we have very. Um, Different opinions. We, you know, this happens. It's like every couple months we seem to stumble on one where it's just sort of like, I really like it and you really hate it, or vice versa. And I cannot wait to do fun. Lost Boys. I, that's fine. I'll I, defend I Lost Boys until my dying death. I am going to make you that, so butthurt. It's going to be so fantastic. I don't get butthurt. See, that's the difference between you and me. <laughs> I don't get butthurt about this stuff because I appreciate that other people have differing opinions. I'm not mad about it. So join us on Facebook and Instagram at Creepin' It Real. R-E-E-L is a movie reel. Uh, if you have a movie idea that you want to hear us rate, review, or roast, you can email us at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. If you really, really, really like us, we have merch. Join us uh, on our Redbubble page at creepinitreal.redbubble.com um, where there's all manner of things that are designed by Mr. Lunchbox over here. Um, t-shirts being the big one, but there's also stickers and stuff for the house. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, and I'm, I know you've listened to three or four or ten of these episodes and you haven't subscribed yet, so you probably should do that. That way we drop in your favorite podcatcher every Tuesday. You'll see us when you get in your car in the morning and go, Oh, look, new creeping! Yay! Um... And share, like us, comment, um, five-star reviews are appreciated on iTunes, and I think Spotify does them as well, if I remember correctly. Uh, and tell your friends. We've been growing our listening, our listenership slowly but steady, um, but we can't do that without you guys and uh, spreading the word out there. So um, we appreciate you every week, and thank you so much for tuning in. And I guess that wraps up Event Horizon. So I have been Meg. I've been Lunchbox. And um, don't play in black holes, guys. Bye.